0: Sonic Statesman Not Call
1: This week on Sonic Talk 230 Alan Wilder, former Depeche Mode keyboardist has a clear out auction when to say goodbye to old storage formats? What happens when you invite a DJ to perform with an orchestra? And staying on the orchestra theme, a flash mob in wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha N8 and N12 quality analog mixers with Firewire interfaces. Visit your local store and find out more. And by deep video tutorials on all the major doors and more from industry experts from Mac Pro Video. Save 20% on all downloads by visiting sonicstate.com forward slash MPV i Hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 230. You are live and direct on Wednesday, the, what is it? It's the 17th of August. Uh, We're recording live. In fact, I didn't record live. This is my second take because I can very uh, embarrassingly say I actually chose um, to not press record, which doesn't happen very often. But anyway, thanks to everybody joining us in the chat. We've got a very busy chat room this week. Thank you very much for everybody joining. SonicState.com forward slash live 4pm on a Wednesday where you get the live stream and a live chat. And we'll say hello to my guests here. We'll start with you, Gaz, because you're, you're looming large in your beautiful, resplendent red sir- shirt. Songsurgeon.co.uk, singer, songwriter, producer, he will produce you and record you a song in under five minutes, given the correct uh, motivation. How are you, Gaz?
0: Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Um, yes, just recovering from a hangover from a crazy festival where my band Rocket Coast are played, which was good fun. Uh, and um, now just kind of coming out of the summer break. And the work is all starting to pick up again now. So uh, I've had about three weeks off from working, really.
1: So, ah, uh, oh, I'm looking forward just... to my holiday next week. There will be no, <laughs> well, there will be no live show next week, by the way, but there will, in fact, hmm. be uh, the interview I recorded with Matt Robertson from Bjork. He's uh, Bjork's MD on the Biophilia Tour. Anyway, but thank you very much, Gaz. And we'll also say we've got another live video participant, Dave Spears, G4software.com, makers of fine instruments, software instruments, back from holiday. Um back being the word you probably don't want to hear too much. I understand you've got a poorly uh, a poor back at the moment. Yeah, I've done my back
2: in. Is is this, are we doing this again, or is this me just sort of No, it's, out it's of the drugs. Baying?
1: It's the drugs. I don't know ah, what you're talking about. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes. Uh, uh, yes, all right. <laughs> so Dave has been away for a couple of weeks, and uh and you, I think you're, yeah. Well, we haven't seen you for a little while, actually. So before the holiday, were you busy too? Probably getting all the things done you need to before, so you can get away, I guess. Yeah,
2: no, it's been this. This week's just been like completely. This week, this month has been completely strange and very bizarre and surreal, and yeah, a lot of work going on, a lot of weirdness going on. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you about that some other time, but.
1: Okay, well, welcome anyway, and I hope, uh, I hope we, uh, we can keep your mind off your ailments, at least for the duration of the show. I'd just like to a word from my sponsors, Pan. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Well, Excellent. Well, prescription, I might add, not black yeah, market.
2: No, it's for my back. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, it's supposed to relax my muscles so that the muscles stay in the same place that the woman's manipulated them into.
1: Like the back woman, the back lady.
2: Yeah, rather than then pull all my
1: bones into weird places and my arm go all mental. Anyway, so there you go. Thank you. Okay. Well, good luck with that, Dave. And uh, we'll also say hello to PJ Tracy from PJTracyMusic.com, dot com. Back in the uh, in the in the safe haven of his Minneapolis studio. How are you, PJ?
3: I'm very good, Nick. Uh, not as good as Dave, and maybe not <laughs> quite as bad off as Gaz. But <laughs> just, just coffee for you, then, is it? Yeah, just coffee this morning. But I've been very, very busy lately. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a good uh, good couple of weeks. Good. Glad to hear it. And
1: um, yeah. I, I did say PJ Tracy Music. I actually meant PJ Tracy Sound.com, which is obviously your uh, current um, website, which is on Squarespace, right?
3: It is on Squarespace, yes.
1: Okay. And we'll also say hello to Mark Tinley, uh, likebeing.com. Mark uh, is not joining us via video this week because. Uh, uh, well, tell me my, Mark.
4: Well, I was um, kind enough to buy my daughter a laptop, and then I thought I would, didn't want to leave my son out, so I, I gave him my netbook.
1: <laughs> Which is the one uh, that works. has the
4: video camera on it. And I thought, I'll use my old PowerBook G4 and my very lovely eyesight, And uh, we tried that out earlier, and I looked fabulous, didn't I? And for some reason, it doesn't support um, video conferencing. So, ah. sadly. I'm going to have to find a new solution to
1: it. Ah, uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, nonetheless, we can hear your, uh, your your dulcet tones perfectly fine. Excellent. Right. I- I've just seen that Rich Hilton is available as well, so I'm going to go and grab him quickly. Uh, let me see. What's going on? Rich Hilton, are you there? I'm here. Ah, Rich Hilton, uh, live and direct, hiltonius.com on the internet. Ooh, Mark is showing me. Uh, I can see. Oh, no, it's Gazzy's lovely Rickenbacker. Anyway, Rich, glad we could get you. Are you uh, Are you well? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. It's been a hectic morning.
5: Had a bit of a hectic morning, but I'm good.
2: Hi, I'm Alan Wilder. We're here at my home in Sussex in England. It's a beautiful Easter weekend, the hottest for 100 years. So it's nice to get outside and actually be able to show you the house where we've been putting together a huge auction sale. It started off as quite an embryonic idea of selling a few bits of my studio equipment that I no longer really need, and it's just grown into something much, much bigger than that. It's been an exciting, but very uh, uh, time-consuming effort to bring all this to you, and we think it's going to be really interesting. There's a website. You can see all that's in the sale on the site. Uh, This is very much designed to be a a worldwide online event. so I guess it's really just a, oh, Hi, this is my dining room. This is one of the rooms <laughs> in my house where we've been. Um...
1: I'm not going to show any more of that, actually, because um, it just looks like a "Look how big my house is" video. Um, yeah. But actually, the the, the 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 reason I played this was because um, there's an auction, and he's selling off a whole bunch of uh, his old gear, basically from the from the Depeche Mode days. Alan Wilder famously played Depeche Mode as gear memorabilia, all sorts of stuff, and um. um it almost strikes me a little bit, uh, it's sort of quite sad, because there's even stuff like his first Moog, some of the emulator stuff, sound discs, all of those things, but looking at the size of his house, I'm feeling less um, sorry for him, actually, at the moment, so he's obviously doing very well, but uh, has anyone had a chance to have a look at some of the items for sale? I was surprised that there weren't more synths, in fact, because all I saw on synths, on the synth side was uh, a Moog Model D, which I believe was his first ever synthesizer, Odyssey, and an EDP Wasp. I think there was a supernova there as well, um, but I'm not sure whether or not um, any of that stuff is kind of any no longer relevant because there's also a lot of other things like SRCAT and uh, Sony PCM F1. Remember those? So I'm, I'm wondering whether this uh, this is sale is perhaps ten years too late. I don't know. What do you think? Hey, how you doing, Rich? I can see you in video. I'm good. What You're you asking have, me about this stuff? I'm asking you about this stuff. Anything there you'd, uh, you'd like to get I didn't look
5: of? at his list. I didn't look at his list. I didn't see anything in the pictures that made me go, ooh, I got to have one of those. Um, I saw a couple of things that went by that I said, I remember that. And didn't want one then. Um, <laughs> I, you know me. I'm not that romantic about the fact that it's his. First of all, Pesh Mode meant next to nothing to me. But second of all, even if they did mean something to me, if it was Wynwood's, it doesn't mean that much to me. Right. It's not like a guitar to me. And I don't know why that is. Because if you tell me it's, you know, Hendrix's guitar, that means something to me. But uh, I I don't get romantic about sense. So this, I mean, yeah, it was a fun video and I thought it was, it's a nice idea. and I.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering, it looks like actually that one of the reasons he needs to uh, raise, raise all this money is to pay for the production of the video which seem to be uh, <laughs> exceedingly highly, uh, highly produced, obviously, yeah, you know, pushing it and pushing. It. I don't know, Gaz, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, anybody, is there, you know, this sort of thing crops up from time to time, you have a clear out and, you know, I'm guessing this is a really high profile one, really. But I mean, is it, is yeah. there a good time to do this? I mean, this one seems to be funding a divorce or whatever it is that he, for whatever reason, he's doing it. But it doesn't feel like uh, the timing's all that hot. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I was a bit disappointed with the with the amount of stuff he's actually selling. Really, I thought, oh, could be interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, the thing about Depeche Mode fans, though, they are they're that they're the sort of band who do manage to kind of have that incredible sort of fan base that are just so uh, you know, yeah. you're just mad about them. So. Uh, You know, so he's, like, kind of talking about various kind of rarities and sort of, um, you know, and I'm sure that's where he's going to kind of make the money. Um, uh, As for sort of the instruments having belonged to him, yeah, it doesn't really add much... Romance to the equipment. Really, oh, right, no, I
1: suppose not. I mean, one thing that, that yeah, they're talking about the memory. The thing that I saw was that there's sort of clothing and, uh, you know, some of his t shirts yeah. and stuff like that, which is kind of a bit odd. But uh, the letters and set lists, I imagine there'll be uh, a bunch of stuff. Apparently, mm. there's even a letter of complaint written by Alan on behalf of the group to Smash Hits magazine. I'd almost, yeah. I'd almost be worth getting a hold of that one. I don't know. Um, Mark, is this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, just in terms of clear-outs generally, I mean, you've worked with the Duran guys. I mean, uh, do they ever have, does this ever thing happen, or do they just get, keep getting warehoused and warehoused?
4: Um, it usually happens when they don't pay a bill and someone takes it all away and sells it to pay the bill.
1: I seem to remember, uh, allegedly, I seem to I remember mean, you I mean, mentioned I that I in the I
4: have done some clear some really horrible ones as well, where we've just gone to like this just absolute dump of a warehouse and collected all this paperwork from like the 1980s and just I don't know filing cabinets just full of stuff, and I and then had to sort of do an inventory and try and work out what the hell was there. And and you know they just pay thousands of pounds to store stuff that's absolutely worth it, basically. So, um, and looking at Alan's list, I'm like, is he really going to get eighty to hundred and twenty pounds for an ME thirty P Akai MIDI programmable batch, Right?
1: I don't think so. Uh, they only I, cost that originally, didn't they?
4: Is he going to sign it? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm quite interested in an Akai S612, but I mean, I'll put it in a rack, and it'll be in a rack, and it'll look nice in my house. And I'll like look at it nostalgically, and then carry on using Pro Tools and Logic. So.
2: I've just bid on
4: that. On you... an S612.
2: Yeah, I've got one and I needed another one because they're really good. I'll put in a bid of about six and a half grand.
1: <laughs> what? £6,120, <hundred> tw- <laughs> 6, I think, would be the appropriate amount, surely. <laughs> no, it did make me it's laugh. The when best I saw £100 that. to £150.
4: Pounds.
2: Well, you know, if you want something, you want it bad enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No,
2: I didn't at all.
1: PJ, are you. Uh, I mean, it sort of almost feels a bit. It almost feels like the fans should be buying this rather than anybody else it doesn't feel right to be sort of picking over the bones of this this chap's kind of uh, musical memory somehow it feels a bit sort of uh, undignified to me
3: well i you know it's a simple transaction to me I, I mean there's nothing there that i personally am interested in but if somebody's willing to put the stuff up for auction then it is what it is and if there are fans out there willing to pay, um, and I, I didn't look at at any of the prices, but if they're willing to pay overinflated prices because they were owned by a musical group that they you know appreciate or are you know rabidly fanatic about, then so be it. Yeah. And if there are people out there that would use the equipment and it's up for sale at a reasonable price and they think that they're you know they get a good deal or uh, a useful purchase out of it, great. Rob GS in the yeah, chat room
1: says, uh, I reckon he would uh, get more selling uh, Depeche Mode sample libraries. Uh, that's <laughs> it's
2: great. He's got a load of zip drives, isn't he? Yeah,
1: there's 20 zip drives. Yeah. 20 zip drives, uh, which are emulate uh, Emacs uh, from the Emacs, and they're from tour, they're the tour stuff from, uh, from the various sort of Depeche Mode tours that he was involved in.
2: I like there the is. British equestrian riding boots, black leather, <laughs>
1: authenticated.
4: <laughs> in what way he needs know? to duplicate the libraries doesn't he
1: I think yeah there was a question there's a brilliant interview actually with him on uh, Steelbury Clones uh, which is Stereoclang.se uh, which uh, he does actually say yeah no I have copied all the sounds
4: right as you would I mean there's a harmonium in here that looks quite interesting
1: EP200 EP200A as well
4: and then um, I mean the Steinway piano Stein- way, if I said that right. Yeah, piano
1: must be worth quite a lot of money I would have thought. <laughs> Akai P in the chat room says, 10 megabytes of storage, sweet, I could do one of oh. those. Is zip drives? They were,
4: weren't they? I wouldn't know, 100 or something,
1: but yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm be getting through reams and reams of those. I've still I got a load there. somewhere,
1: yeah. i Get got, it, I, I think we've got access to it, we've got like loads because there was the scuzzy uh one then there was a f- usb one well, there were all sorts of different versions of the uh, uh the zip drive weren't there with mm. different interfaces god what a mess that was
4: i was I um an for the jazz drive and i flew to america and they took lots of photographs of me it's all really exciting
1: you got a, a storage jazz. Endorsement. No, like endorsement That's mega. <laughs> that's
4: that's endorsement. mega. <laughs> jazz. Yeah. i've got a poster somewhere it might even be on my sure. website hold on
1: can i just make a guess did it go like this
2: <laughs> jazz house. Sure it, <laughs> sure it wasn't Jazz Bank, <laughs>
1: <Well, no. laughs> Oh, that's how it sounds like. So, what did they do? Did they just give you kind of endless quantities of storage? Because they were, what, the jazz drives were a gig, weren't
4: they? Two gigabytes. In the end, they got, me, yeah. They kept giving me drives and things, yeah. uh Lots and lots of disks, yeah, and kind of gave everyone in the Duran crew. Jazz drive as well, I think, if I remember rightly.
1: Hilarious, jazz drives. <laughs> the concept of a jazz drive now is something that is something that you wouldn't want to be caught with in <laughs> your possession. <is> it?
4: <laughs> well, I actually would want to be caught with one because I've got loads of discs downstairs and nothing to put them in because I think I broke the
1: drive. Uh, ouch! But oh, not... I've kept one. You kept, kept one. one. Have you? Yeah. You've yeah. got a yeah? jazz, jazz drive. Exactly. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. It yeah. does raise that point, isn't it? When do you throw away all that old format stuff? I mean, I've got a load of scuzzy stuff and things in the in the in the cupboard that I've got nothing to connect them to anymore. Anyway, I'd have to keep all the computers, so it's a bit pointless yeah. anyway.
3: Yeah, this is an interesting topic um, that we've revisited a few times. Uh, I'm part of a project right now that has all this archive data from the mid 1990s, and we're finding that we have to excavate technology in order to access, you know, a lot a lot of sounds and patches and things like that. So. I guess at some point uh, you have to decide whether or not it, it's worth it to to archive the technology as well as the the storage medium, so that uh, you know for sure fifteen years down the road you'll be able to get back to it.
1: It's mostly the uh, higher places that have that now, isn't it? Mostly, high, you know, high, you you hire the stuff, or you, or they'll <clears throat> do transfers for you. you yeah. How one generally gets to it, because they keep a, like a, a golden version. I mean, you know, a Mac with SCSI on it. I can't imagine. There's the, I. Well, none, nothing. You'd I mean, it have very, to go right back to what G, pre-G, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. This yeah,
4: is, but this yeah, is why, pre-G. I mean, this is. Uh, I seems insane for me to still have a PowerBook G4, but that's exactly why I've got it because any of the old logic sessions I did prior to uh, version seven, uh, anything. Sorry, none of the old ones will load into anything later than version seven. So I, tried, I think I did on Windows Logic or on Logic 3.4 or whatever. And it basically says, please load this into a version of Logic prior to 7.2. And, and, of course, that means I've got to run it on this computer. Uh, okay. The 6.33 won't run on the other one.
1: I got you. Yeah. Zen Artists this- in the chat room says that uh, he's, still, uh, he's got an Atari cartridge collection. <laughs> that is cool, <laughs> actually. That's very oh, cool. Um you know the yeah go, go you
0: know the issue sorry you know the issue with kind of uh longevity of storage medium you know for instance um CDs have got a, they're going to kind of erode are not they i think in time i'm not sure how long it's going to be but i've already seen sort of some rs from the 90s just <coughs> unplayable now yeah which is a bit a bit worrying and um but there's a new there's a new drive that a kind of um pushing that's so like a holographic drive or something where it, 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 sounds like it stores those... it onto a disc. So it's, uh, um, it's, it looks like a kind of DVD there, or a CD and I think they're making it backwards compatible so you can do you use it as a regular optical disc. And of course if it's but holographic it'll, it'll be and
1: sideways compatible too. <laughs> yeah. um, it sounds expensive though.
0: Yeah, I think it's early days, but I think it's permanent. I think it will last forever i think that's one of the things and i don't think oh, it's really? 500 gig where have i heard that yeah
1: i or... heard <laughs> that one before yeah.
0: rich was it like uh, tomorrow's world they were spreading jam weren't they on yeah CD. yeah
1: cds <laughs> best use for them these days i guess rich what so what do you how much how far do you go back how far do you hold technology so you can go back or do you just try and transfer it and bring it with you in terms of uh, iterations of, of technology
5: um, there have been cases where I've gone back and transferred things that were on tape that weren't complete so that if we should ever work on them again, I have them in a format that I can open them in. If
1: that answers your question, I mean, how
5: far back I have sessions dating to 1996.
1: Okay, I'm just thinking in terms of that I uh, can open now, right? But I'm. Just, I suppose I was thinking in terms of uh, techno you know, like old SCSI drives, things that you know, jazz drives, zip drives, all of that kind of stuff that we've all been through. I, well, I do, I if I let's see, there's
2: a
5: SCSI drive right over here for an ASR10, all of which is for sale.
1: Um,
4: <laughs> there's probably well, a I jazz would, drive I in the closet. Why would that on you if it wasn't in America?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand.
4: Um, I.
5: I have various old style drives kicking around just because what do you do with them? I mean, I guess you throw them out after a while and I'm starting to do that, but, uh, um, yeah, I've got SCSI drives around it somewhere in storage. I have a gorgeous glyph trip rack SCSI. that has got removable drive sleds and a thousand, you know, 18 gig drives. that will slide right into it. And, uh, I
1: remember those. They were really expensive, weren't they?
5: Yeah, it was pretty pricey, but I used it a lot and it really allowed us flexibility with respect to projects. And uh sorry. I mean you just going back, I still have floppy disks kicking around from you know, that I can't load into anything. I mostly throw them out, but I have a huge book of uh ASR ten stuff for this thing. And I've got a um I've got Kurzweil stuff, I've
1: got I've got a lot of
5: that crap kicking around <laughs> that I'll never use.
1: Sounds like I, I know a company who can make you a video. They make it look really glamorous and sort of uh, uh, and make it give it some emotional content, so you can probably get the prices even higher. You mean higher than the fact that such a famous person as
5: I had used them?
1: Exactly, even higher than that. I see. Uh, well, anyway, it was kind of a fun uh, topic and a fun video. I, but uh, the more I watched it, I did sort of feel just a little bit sad, really. And it just sort of felt like a bit, uh, like you know, it didn't need to um, go into such depth. Just could have just put the thing on. I'm guessing there'll be a lot of interest in it anyway. Um, hopefully he raises all the cash he needs to uh, do whatever he needs to do it with. But uh, uh, so it, I
4: was going to get all cynical and sick,
1: though, but I didn't. Oh, you, were Is you? you
4: the bit? I was <laughs> going to suggest that maybe he should have had the ex-wife on that.
1: Uh, (laughs) i think
2: the
0: bit in the video which is the bit in the video which is really confusing though is like showing you around the house and he shows you this box that his headphones came in and he says oh i'm not selling here's an here's like an empty box for the headphones that i'm not selling
5: they were in ears they were molded they were molded in
2: ears Ah,
5: (laughs) but what what interested me is when he takes you into what he refers to as his bedroom which sounds like it's got a reverb time of about five seconds and in the corner of the bedroom is a Steinway piano that he's making the case that you don't have to keep in tune. And then he sits down to play it, and I'm like, well, okay, if that sounds in uh, tune to you, then <laughs> I guess you don't need to keep it in tune. <laughs> oh, lordy. And furthermore, I'm thinking, did this guy move his bed into like the, the, the den
1: or the living room? It's got a fireplace at one end. It, um, I think he maybe he's it, moving around the house because it just looks so... It's a, such a massive pile. I think he's probably... He uh, said it was his bedroom. What oh, really?
5: I'm wondering if he's sleeping in the living room.
1: Yeah, maybe that's where his wife put him. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, he's got to, maybe the in the living room. Hey, look, this is getting onto dangerous territory. I think it's, ti- I think it's yeah, time right to on. say to to, uh, to maybe take a, a a message from our sponsor. I think I will, in fact. So I just want to say uh, thank you uh, very much to our sponsor. That is Yamaha. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, what you're what looking at here, if you're lucky enough to be watching the video stream, is the gorgeous N12 analog desk, which is uh, – it's a it's an analog digital hybrid. What it has, its features, uh, characterised N mic preamps, which are high quality mic preamps. It's got a sweet spot morphing compressor on each channel, advanced integration with Cubase, high Z input for direct guitar or bass recording, a wide range of musical e- EQ, high resolution Rev X reverb. It's also got 24 bit 96 k digital quality I/O via FireWire. So what Yamaha would like you to do is head over to YamahaSynth.com or YamahaDownload.com and check out the Pulse stores in the UK, where you can go and run some audio through it, see what you think of the mic pre's, the, the EQs and the compressors, and just see whether it works for you because it's all about the sound really and a lot of people are actually saying that these things do sound great. Again, if you're in the US, head over to a, a large one of the larger dealers should have these in stock and see if you can run some audio through it and check them out. Once again, we thank Yamaha for the continued sponsorship for the show. Yamahasynth.com, YamahaDownload.com. Go, go check them out. But does anyone want to maybe tackle some of these orchestral things? Were they more interesting? Does anyone have a, a particular thought on that?
4: I quite like the orchestral thing. Well which orchestral thing though.
1: Which one? The turntablism one or the the flash mob?
4: Um, well they're both really interesting. I think the turntableism one's probably more music okay. tech than the other one though, isn't it? Maybe.
1: It all I mean, obviously, it took them a little bit of time to get into the uh, groove of that, but when they when they get going, it's actually quite interesting. And what that is is a chap called uh, what's his name? He's called DJ uh, Switch. And the, the composer was Gabriel Prokofiev, and they've been working on that for a number of years, and they basically got together, um, that's for the, that was the National Youth Orchestra, and that was for the proms. I think it was televised on August the 6th, so it might still be on the iPlayer if you're on the UK. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool, actually. I really like the way that he's obviously pressed up some white labels and used it as part of the uh, composition, and I just really thought that was a nifty bit of uh, melding of technologies. Anyone else uh, enjoy that as much as me? <coughs>
4: Um, yeah I did really enjoy it, and I really like the um I really like the concept of putting that kind of technology in with an orchestra because orchestras are kind of it's been a very set format for a very long time hasn't it so anybody that's kind of stretching the format of an orchestra or it's like you know putting one new instrument into an orchestra as a soloist is really interesting uh use of orchestra. I'm not sure, I watched, I actually watched the whole thing on a BBC iPlayer because I wanted to see what the whole performance piece was like. And I'm not sure that I would have done that with an orchestra because I sort of think of orchestras as being more, um, I don't know, tuneful perhaps, I suppose. Maybe they're not, actually. Maybe that was just my musical preference. But it was really interesting, actually.
1: Yeah, no, I I, th- I think that d- definitely worked very nicely, actually. And there, there's another topic which we might well come on to. If, has anyone got anything to add to that, or because we we could go on to the, directly onto the other topic, which is also sort of orchestra based, um, which <coughs> is which which uh, was really thrilling to me as well. Oh. Anybody got anything to add? I only
0: just. Um, I've just been. Um, play, I've just got that DJ app. Sorry to bring in apps and iPhones <clears throat> in, but that DJ app, for DJAY, it's only like fifty nine pence or something. It's fantastic. I don't know if you know about it, but you can put you know, songs into it. You can funny scratch it. So you can Yeah. But you can do really it's so responsive. And I was kind of um playing around with some classical music, funnily enough. Um scratching away on it. So it was funny when you sent this, I was thinking, Oh, I've just been playing
1: around with that idea. Um no, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to try that, actually. I was trying to do it, because when I did the review of the Dot, I'm pretty sure when I saw it for the iPad, it was something like 13 quid, and I just thought there were three or four apps I wanted to download to demonstrate the IO dog, mm. and I thought, I don't really want to spend 50 quid on apps just to demonstrate so it, so it passed me by. Maybe the mm. iPhone one is a bit... Uh... Oh, yeah,
4: the iPhone one's more expensive, definitely.
1: iPad one is more expensive. I can't... Akai Pete in the chat room uh, says that the uh, much better with the Newmark ID new IDJ live, <laughs> of course. Oh yeah, you? you couldn't you couldn't actually. Uh...
4: Could I just say one other thing, which I thought was interesting, and that was when I was watching. It, I don't know if it's standard practice for the solo, and Rich might know this actually, but for the solo performer to be standing somewhere where he can't. Take instructions from the conductor. I thought that was quite interesting. Oh, was he not? That's interesting. Just, I the was just trying to keep him the right. the orchestra, and the guy was probably too far out of his sightline to be able to pay any attention to him at all. Really, so um, I just thought that was kind of weird.
1: Well, it did. Uh, I mean, there was a little bit of when the, until they got into the kind of the meat, the more of the meat of the song. There was a little bit of catchy up in the rhythm department going on, but uh, yeah, no, nice idea though. Two years they spent working on that. Two years. <laughs> two I... years. <coughs> come wow! On. Was it? Well, are you sure it wasn't in from concept?
2: Either way, come on. Two years for playing some records in the Albert Hall with an orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> God, I. I detect- that headline: DMC world champion DJ Switch smashes the Royal Albert Hall. I wouldn't call that a smash of a performance, would you? <laughs>
1: Perhaps you can tell where I'm coming from on this. I can. You're coming from uh, Valium Central.
2: Yes, Surly Central. (laughs)
1: Let me see. um, While we're on the subject (laughs) of orchestras, uh, let me see if I can actually find the next next piece here, which was uh, this was great. I love this. I'm going to I'm not going to play the whole thing cuz it's actually quite long but we'll get to a bit more where there's a bit more going on. <laughs> was awesome that was the sort of flash flash mob uh of the um oh let me see hold on once it was the uh copenhagen the copenhagen philharmonic uh at at the copenhagen central station may the 2nd 2001 playing uh, Ravel's bolero conductor was jesper norden obviously uh, that worked very nicely as rich pointed out in the chat room for the uh, the fact that it was a slow build but essentially the, the orchestra just sort of turned up in bits and just carried on playing i absolutely love that and it made me realize i don't think i've ever seen a full orchestra play i'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say um rich what did you think about that i'm still trying to get over the
5: idea that you've never seen a real orchestra
1: I don't, uh, not a full, full orchestra, you know, just going, I'm I'm seeing sort of large bands, but not, not a full orchestra, I don't think. Right. Well,
5: I have something to talk about there too, but, but um, as relates to the video, I enjoyed it tremendously. I've seen one or two others like it often. It's with choral groups Uh, where you don't have to bring instruments in, but nevertheless, uh, I have seen other orchestral ones. I love the idea that you just happen to be in the mall or the train station and a whole orchestra breaks out out of nowhere. I just, I love that stuff. That really is appealing and exciting to me. And it's just a really cool life experience. And one time I was in Amsterdam and we were on a public sort of square that was marked between buildings and the rail line and everything. And a bunch of guys with brooms just all of a sudden mallet instruments appeared and these guys with brooms started dancing and tapping with the brooms kind of like stomp a little bit and the next thing you know this huge performance piece is broken out with like 20 or 25 people out of nowhere very much like sort of orchestral thing like you couldn't see it coming unless you'd been looking for it and knew it was coming and it was really like incredibly entertaining and i love that stuff and then getting back to you not ever having seen an orchestra um i once during the course of making a movie with An engineer who is a wonderful engineer but it occurred to me along the way because i was struggling to get the orchestral sound i was after that he had never seen a real orchestra in a proper concert hall and so we arranged to get tickets to see the la philharmonic downtown and uh we went and uh the next day everything sounded better (laughs) <laughs> well I because he got what it is what how it lays out and what it sounds like and it all made sense to him at that point and uh i would recommend it highly nick i, I think no, it's i one should of the life experiences there is
1: but i think this sort of thing should happen on a regular basis in uh, large train stations all over the world i think it's an absolute necessity and i think it would ha- perhaps help people understand that uh national orchestras and what have you need to be funded publicly because they do these great things. Cause not everybody can get to see an orchestra. I am being one of those people, for instance.
5: Well, for example, here, um, the New York Philharmonic plays a series of parks concerts every summer where they go around to different public parks in the New York area and conduct and have free concerts where people can bring their families and set up chairs and blankets and watch. And I used to bring my kids to them all the time.
1: Yeah, that's great. PJ. Yeah. You ever seen anything oh, like that? I
3: loved it. I love this. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen anything like a full orchestra breakout in public, but, uh, it, uh, and I have something to say about that, but I, um, was part of a, of a flash mob group in the late 1990s called the uninvited project, where we took various instruments into public spaces where we were, uh, uninvited and Mm -hmm. broke out in musical numbers and performance pieces and things like that. And it's, it's highly rewarding. And I'm glad to see that, um, Uh, video technology and YouTube and whatnot is sort of inspiring this kind of thing on a global scale. And, uh, it's this kind of thing really, honestly, truly, that gives me a lot of hope because I just, I just think that, uh, we need more of this spontaneous music making, even if it's not all that spontaneous to get, to get an entire, uh, orchestra into, into a public space and play like that is, uh, definitely a well plotted, um, plan i'm sure but uh the people that uh, that were part of that uh, i i envy that experience it's it's really really cool and um nick you absolutely have to get into a concert hall and see an orchestra play there's nothing like it and for somebody that appreciates music as much as you do i'm with rich it's one of the singular experiences in life that we you know in in this culture at this time in history can take advantage of yeah, on, I, on a routine I, basis I should,
1: I should you're right absolutely right go so, see something are... that you're
3: familiar that you're somewhat familiar with you know that's that's what i would recommend you know okay. pick a, bring pick your a piece that you kind of know yeah and definitely bring your daughter bring any loved ones that you think would ap- would appreciate i don't think there is uh, anywhere around, around here
1: that i could do. i've got to have to go to london i think for that but uh, um yeah i will do um as your head in the chat room suggests a modular synth flash mob which I kind of like the idea of perhaps not so easy to achieve without the aid of a, an electronics <laughs> generator. But I like the idea of that a lot. I think that's a great Everybody idea.
0: Everybody just bring a module along. Or
1: just a single module. Yeah. <laughs> just a small, yeah, that's an interesting idea.
3: That'd be a good idea. How about a K oscillator flash mob? Let's I'm get Korg sh- to sponsor that. Well, a
1: Mac doctor who very kindly helped with the putting together of some of the topics of the show and, uh, getting some of the notes. I might remember him last week. He was very helpful uh, in the chat room and now, uh, because he lives down the road, he's decided uh, he he has some time to help out with the production of the show, which is fantastic. He actually um, suggested how long before, you know, we do have something like that, because now there's all these ways that we can hook up iPads and iOS devices over Bluetooth and actually sync a bunch of stuff, turn up, you know, maybe get a bit of audio, and there could be something along the the, sort of the flash mob iPad orchestra. But I'm guessing it's not going to be as emotionally as impressive as an orchestra, particularly with you know, those people who have devoted their lives to learning how to play those instruments that well. (laughs) Tenorion Flashmob says, happy fun team in the chat room. Yes, I wonder. (laughs) I don't think they have quite the same effect, but yeah, interesting fun. I know, Dave, have you ever seen anything like this? I love this. Absolutely
2: love it. Uh, For me, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little bit down on the first thing, but because it's kind of, it's a little bit elitist and a little bit exclusive, and everyone's got double barreled surnames and all the rest of it. Whereas this is totally inclusive. And the fact that you can set up a flash mob and go out and create a situation that may turn one or more people onto music in some way or form, I think is absolutely brilliant. First time I ever got hit by music like emotionally was just a school thing, you know. It was like one of those inter-school music competitions, and I wasn't interested in it at all. But I guess I could vaguely sing, and they put us in this room, and everyone started singing this song in rounds. And for me, it was just that power, and very similar to the whole orchestra vibe. That for me, it's the power of the orchestra, and there's nothing like that. There really isn't. And for me, this was a kind of very similar vibe, but. for for the masses Mm. and I loved it yeah absolutely loved it
1: yeah I mean singing in a group is if it's not something you've experienced often or perhaps in school it's very uh, it is a very powerful it's a it's a it's a primal and um you know visceral sensation isn't it it's really I mean because people who don't sing tend to not sing at all they don't you know it's it's a very it's considered a very private thing but singing in a group obviously you can kind of expose your vocal cords a bit more, um, prime, you know, the, the, there's something
2: about all of those, it sounds ludicrous, but there's something about all of those chests and cavities resonating that just, um, lets you go. Exactly. Makes you let go. And I think that it's very, in some ways it's very similar to, you know, you get some of these drum circle things going on at Nam and whatnot. And I think there's sort of a similarity.
1: Yeah. I think the drums whether yeah, are a no, tonal definitely.
2: or a rhythmic kind of individual,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mark, have you... I uh, think, sorry, go, Rich.
2: I think it's to do with
5: people breathing together. I think there's a very mm. profound experience when you're in a section in an orchestra or when you're singing in a section of a choir where you, where you realize that all of the people who are effectively rendering that part that you're rendering are breathing together. Oh, that's and interesting. Something that's something very, very powerful about that.
1: Yeah. That is yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I haven't thought that. Yes, because you're synchronized, aren't you, effectively? Mm. It's very yes. powerful. Very powerful.
4: So I absolutely love this as well. I think it's brilliant. I really like the way that they kind of turned up bit by bit. And as people started started to work out what was happening, people were sitting down and watching it, sort of sitting around. And then they kind of reached this crescendo and then they just dispersed in all different directions. People just put their instruments away and just walked off to wherever they were going before, (laughs) you know, or whatever. It looked like that. Like they kind of just dissolved back into you know, the general crowd. And there's one woman at the end of that um YouTube video who's standing looking utterly bewildered because she <laughs> has arrived and there's been this big orchestral thing happening and then the people just kind of, it's almost like they disappear into the ether and she's left there standing in this empty train station kind of looking around, looking really what, bewildered. What and just really happened like there?
1: That uh interestingly in the chat um uh sound hack in the chat room says you try and stagger breathing in brass sections which i didn't know actually i suppose you would do cut for for consistency of tone
4: Um, my first experience of an orchestra was free actually and um it was at the end of 1988 apart from playing in one at school actually but this was like going to see one um we we The rave scene was going a bit awry, and the police were sort of clamping down on it and stopping people from going to various different places, and they closed down um, Trip and Shum, I think. Was it, or was it Spectrum? And um, so we decided that we were going to go and sort of experiment with some other experiences while under the influence <laughs> And uh, we went to the 100 Club to go and see some jazz. That was quite interesting. And then my friend suggested that we go to the South Bank and wait for the interval. And at the interval, everyone comes out and has their cup of tea or whatever. And then you just sneak back in at the end, you know, in the middle of the interval, um, surreptitiously find yourself a seat and sort of sit and experience the second half of the orchestra. But I was so off my head. (laughs) Uh, I was sitting there going, wow, and I was going, <laughs> 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 I
2: was
1: so That's, what,
4: that's quite I funny. Like, oh, what's this? I, that funny. reminds
1: me of a short story I once read of a guy who tracked down um, – it was a serial killer, and he killed people because he found that they were in the audience of classic recordings and had coughed and sneezed or something at key <laughs> points, and he, tra- <laughs> he tracked them all down one by one and sort of knocked them off, and you know oh his God. retribution for, for 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 making a noise in these recordings. I just thought it was quite <laughs>
4: funny. <laughs> I must that's I must weird.
1: say actually I have remembered one instance I completely forgot about this but that's because maybe it was outside and I have seen orchestra a couple of times and twice once was the three tenors played in front of the uh the um uh, in the park, basically in Bath. And that was amazing because they were doing all the full all operatic, you know, it's Pavarotti. And, you know, I forget all the other ones, but the three tenors, I've, there's not three anymore. Cause I think one of them's dead, but, uh, that was really good, but it was outside and it was the BBC, uh, Philharmonic orchestra. And they are really good actually. And, uh, that was pretty good. And another one I think I saw at WOMAD. But it's not the same, I think, perhaps, Rich, as being inside a building and feeling the space resonate in the same way. I mean, outside is good, but yeah. I think inside's got to probably top it. Yeah.
4: It's Maybe the so. dynamic, really, I think, of an orchestra. It's the fact that you, you're sitting there and, and you can get to the point where you dare not move your program, because if you move your program, you're going to make a noise that's going to interfere with other people's listening of it, and it's just kind of carrying on the ambience of the room, and you can hear something really quiet, and then they suddenly go, gang! Whoa. Well, that- and, like, it's just, you know, the pure dynamics going from unbelievably quiet to, like, ridiculously loud, just, like, sets all the hairs up on the back of your neck. And you, just, you know, it's enthralling when they get it. Well, that, that brings rubbish.
1: up an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, how do you capture that? Because I mean, the dynamics of an, an orchestra is ridiculous. Whereas, you know, if you're recording strings or whatever for a CD or vinyl or whatever, you know, where you know uh, Deutsche gramophone being one of the sort of classic uh, examples of people who who were specialised in recording orchestral stuff. How do you, you know, compress that dynamic range so that it's still acceptable? It must be quite a tricky. You, to comp-
4: you, you have to compress it in a way that's sympathetic to the way that your ears compress stuff. Because although your ears can capture a range from sort of like unbelievably quiet to unbelievably loud, when something goes loud, your your natural your brain naturally compresses that information and makes electronics will capture a broader a uh, kind of volume chain. So you need mm. to compress it back down into in, with a sympathetic kind of compressor that makes it sound the same way that your ear would sound.
1: Do you think there's a lot of manual riding going on there? I mean, I've never done this. Rich, have you ever had to record, you know, the orchestral stuff that has that massive dynamic range and kind of present it in a in a recorded way? Have you ever had to? I've not personally recorded full orchestras, but I've been
5: present for orchestras being recorded, some of which were playing music that I wrote. Oh, cool! Um, uh, but I haven't actually done it. But in the short answer to your question is, it's either done as a combination or of stereo mic techniques or its done with a combination of stereo mic de- techniques and a bunch of closer section spot mics that become available to the mixer so that they can feature certain sections so that they can recreate the dynamics of the original performance where the stereo mics are not cutting it
1: huh. but i mean in and terms of the actual adjust- in, in the actual range though i mean you know most recording mediums can't really capture it accurately or reproduce it accurately right
5: well, today they can. I suppose they we can just today, don't, yeah. we, just don't, we just don't bother playing it back on anything that can anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe that's uh, true.
5: Now that we can finally capture it that way,
1: hey! nobody's there. Who just, knew?
2: Just put a brick wall limiter across a lot of it. That'll do. <laughs>
1: there you go. Okay. It's like a big box <laughs> when you zoom out on the... <laughs> P, What about you, PJ? I mean, you, you presumably have, you know, sometimes, you know, your brief. Some flanger on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. i Always find that. I've improved it for you, boys. <laughs> <It's some pleasure. laughs> yes, the the not that would be interesting. The what what would you call that? The kind of totally inappropriate mastering service. Yeah, what a fantastic idea. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a, don't knock it. A limited audience, but it's funny it's a, yeah it'd be like the portsmouth, portsmouth symphonia who are uh, a, a symphonic <laughs> orchestra who just can't play and play appallingly uh, uh, you know well loved classics but you could have the same thing approaching to the recording engineer i don't know pj have you ever had to deal with that uh, that sort of recording or i mean how do you re- replicate can you replicate it in contact or is it uh, that's not not enough dynamic
3: uh well no both I, i've been present for orchestral recordings um also some of which have recorded music that i've written um and i've also done the other thing where you're emulating um a specific a specific kind of orchestral piece in software and I've done experiments where I've tried to go further afield um the software has gotten much 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 better at do at doing that kind of thing of pulling off specific kinds of emulations and um even you know even being able to sort of cop the dynamic range of certain sections of the orchestra it's getting better um is it is it full on believable yet not particularly not to my ears, unless it's doing, you know, unless it's doing a very specific thing um, in terms of um, compressing an orchestra or that, that kind of thing, I, I'm, I'm sure it's done. Um, and in certain contexts might be appropriate, but if you're doing, you know, if you're recording my understanding of, you know, from the engineers that I've watched that, um, you know, record and mix say like a neoclassical piece or a classical piece of music, an orchestra playing, playing those types of music, they're generally not compressed right you know there uh, like Rich said there um, there will be uh, generally a bunch of stereo mics or an, or an or, uh, an array or um, uh, spot mics you know uh, that are used in combination to get the sound that the engineer desires a the producer of the session desires in mm. the end and it, it also depends on the size of the ensemble you know right. how it's recorded because an, an orchestra is a is a malleable concept
1: Oh, that's true. What's what's the size of a full orchestra? 140 something? I don't know.
3: Uh, the size of a full yeah. yeah, it depends. Oh, yeah.
1: there's not a kind there of there's not one thing. And actually, this thing struck me the other day because I was watching Prokofiev mm. on the uh, the proms, which are on at the moment. Actually, on the BBC. This is sort of partly why it, why this topic came up. I was wondering, as I saw somebody holding a triangle in anticipation, what might be the least played instrument in the orchestral range? And I'm, I'm discounting, you know, like obscure percussive instruments, but something that a person plays full time. What's the least likely instrument to be played during the orchestra session? I'm guessing, Rich, well, might... might Rich, have I you have you just a great story some? about this, but I just closed the door because I don't want to hear my, my son to hear me
5: telling it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm intrigued. I'm sure, my, my son plays a variety of things uh remarkably well actually i'm proud to say and among those things is he plays uh in the school wind ensemble and he plays various percussion instruments and the wind ensemble last year were taking a trip to toronto to participate in some band festival there i, I don't recall if it was competitive or what and it turned out and and i found this enormously amusing that his part in the piece that they were going there to play would be involving the performance on Castanets. <laughs> and so for weeks, I would say to him, Castanets? You know, because it cost like a lot of money to send him to this thing, you know? Uh, I was asking him if he had a fur lined case for them and
1: things like that. <laughs> all a fur lined case for Cassinet sounds very devious, actually, is Rich. Yeah. Right? In, a, in a kind of. Uh, yeah, anyway, I won't go He'd there. He'd be
5: embarrassed if he heard me telling you this story, but I did. I used to, I'm sure he hears me going,
1: Cassinet? Yeah, it's all right. We're, we're not live or anything.
5: <laughs> no, he's downstairs. Ah, he just okay. came in for rehearsal briefly.
3: <laughs> yeah, I wonder what. To, there are some uh, pieces, some. 20th century pieces that require specific kinds of gongs and in some cases treated in certain ways. So that would be obscure percussion, but that uh, is pretty obscure. Yeah, I'm thinking of um, one piece and I, I'm trying to remember the composer where the gong is hit and then submerged in water so that it has a specific kind of decay. Oh, yeah. The, 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 yeah. It changes the, pitch.
4: the sound of that. Yeah.
3: Yep.
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, Treelock Gertu does this on stage quite yeah.
2: often. Yeah. Right. Well, Malt tree. tree. Especially when you sellotape it up.
4: (laughs) I found some, um, if we're we're going back onto sound and off orchestra completely. Why ever not? I was recording some sounds the other day and I found these five foot cardboard tubes, five foot long cardboard tubes about four inches in diameter. And I was using binaural headphones and I thought, I wonder what would happen if I put those tubes on my ears. So I was walking down the street with these huge long five foot tubes clamped on my ears, held on my ears, um, recording the sound, which is really interesting. <laughs> <this kind> of, <laughs> and these cars come past in sort of binaural kind of cardboard tube. And then, um, and then I was windmilling down the street, spinning. Did you, you well. film it, Mark?
3: Did you did no? someone film this? Did someone Claudia's
4: film this? My daughter stuck it, on, uh, stuck it on my Facebook page, I think. We'll I have, to, we'll think we'll have to have a look at that. I, I, need
1: to, I need to hear that. Gaz, I know you were, were just going to.
4: My Facebook page or her, Claudia
1: thinley. Okay. I, I, Gaz, you were, you were just going to come in there, so I didn't want to. Um, I um, wanted you to give you a chance there.
0: Well, I was just thinking about a recent large scale recording that I worked on, which was a choir, 120 piece choir, which is. Wow. Um, that's quite an interesting thing and sort of uh so the way uh the way that we recorded it was um uh this is in a big cathedral as well so it's a big big space um and we put up various stereo pairs in different areas because we are plenty of channels so we could we could do this um but unquestionably the Midland sides array that i had at the front of it was the most uh was great actually and once I tried flying in some other kind of mics and stuff it sort of seemed to kind of affect it in a negative way so I just went with the middle and sides you know like um the middle and sides sound which is brilliant because I don't know if you know much about middle and sides recording but uh, the thing I get from it is a really great sense of immersion in the sound of the middle and sides so um what did you what did you use was, for that
1: setup just out of interest
0: uh I was using a universal audio preamp uh, which is called DCS, which is my, my favorite thing, um, which has got a Midland Sides decoder built into it, which is handy. Uh, I was using 414s as the, um, as the mics. Uh, and I know that a lot of orchestral recordings are in the Midland Sides kind of way. And, uh, you know, I, that's definitely for me anyway. And with that recording, the Midland Sides technique uh, was great. I mean, I don't know. Whether to explain Midland side. Oh no, do Just, uh, just
1: briefly. Just how do you how do you set it up?
0: Okay, what well, Midland sides is, is is like you've got like a, a microphone facing forwards, um, in like an omni mode. Yeah. Um, and then you've got another microphone sort of as close to it as you can, uh, angled with a figure of eight, but with a figure of eight sort of perpendicular to the to the forward-facing omni. Right. And then you take the two signals and you have to sort of um, do like a kind of phase thing where I'm going to come unstuck a bit now explaining this. Uh, <laughs> and
1: it gives you a stereo image, right? Y-
0: yes, but, but the way it does that is that it kind of creates, if you haven't got a decoder to do it, it's a little bit fiddly. You have to sort well, of create. Well,
4: it's uh, little but one like channel little the, 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 round, the round stereo, so one of the microphone makes a hole in the middle of the side. Yes, if that makes sense. So by then reversing f- the phase, the f- it cancels phase. out the middle from the yeah. other channel. So it so you create the sides in one cha- in one channel, in the middle in the other one. That's so right. Only and really- yeah. Uh, okay. And how do you and
1: then re-com- recombine it? Oh, interesting. Mm. I still don't understand how it works with two mics, <laughs> two mono mics that are facing. You know, that aren't left and right yeah. but anyway i'd like to try it out there's lots of different it's, techniques isn't there the mic techniques for for doing uh, as ball and biscuit what's the ball and biscuit? there's another method isn't there the bloom bloom line pair line, there's all these kind yeah. of interesting ways of uh, recording stereo pairs that we haven't uh, i i i have absolutely no idea how they work and i should probably investigate a little more if only i had some decent mics and a point to using it yeah
0: but uh, yeah definitely i mean I, it's only i've only fairly recently started recording things in middle and sides and um and I know some people have been quite sort of evangelical about it. And uh, this was a really interesting recording project for me to do because I've become a bit evangelical about it as well since doing it because it really just, it, I think it's the emotional, you know, you could talk about the kind of technical sides of it, but for me it was like the, the emotional involvement that the middle and sides was given me in the music rather than necessarily getting into the do you think that's because it of... sounds
1: that it's the closest to what you hear in your head I mean is it that? Is it possibly that
0: yeah it could be I think it's just because you get a very good central image um, like an AB like a spaced AB pair is always going to have a slight sag in the middle because the you know they're going to be picking up less of a sort of central image and in more so you'd use AB if you wanted a nice sort of nice stereo spread but I think with the middle and sides, you just get a really nice, solid middle of it, which I think is, I think it almost, it almost gives it like that mono sort of feeling, but you know, but then you've still got the stereo aspect of it as well. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You have to try it.
3: Yeah. I agree, okay. I agree with, uh, with Gaz that that, that, that uh, ORTF array or middle side array gives this really, really kind of uncanny three-dimensional a- aspect to the music in a stereo field. And it's, it's just it's re- it's really cool. And, and I'm sorry, I interrupted Rich, so I'll let Rich get back to it. But I had a, a follow-up question. I just wanted to know if anybody had tr- tried any of the new multi-channel microphones that are available. Like um, Sankin I know, makes a five-channel mic. No, 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 I, I haven't.
5: Listened. Okay, I I was going to ask Gaz if is that cent, that center the central mic is in omni and not cardioid in your
0: setup. It can be either, really. Um, I've yeah. I mean, uh, I've no, actually, when I think about it, I had it in cardioid, but when I was um, I, I was recommended that you do it in omni though. Um, well,
5: the traditional way is cardioid, and I think it might hmm. be interesting to hear it
1: as an omni, and that's why I was asking.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't omni. Sorry, it was cardioid. My mistake.
1: Yeah, yeah. okay, very good. Hmm. Thank you. I wonder what the difference would be because I mean, omni would obviously pick up more of the ambience away from the uh from the the the, the signal source, right? Right, but that's what you've got your side facing
5: figure of eight mic doing. Hmm. Okay, so that. And the idea of the central mic is to fill in the center and give you sort of the, the sort of the meat of the sound in the middle there.
1: Interesting, interesting. Uh, I should obviously just at this point, I'd like to say um, uh, also a thank you to our other sponsor. We're offering us a special deal on the downloads from MacProVideo.com. MacProVideo, of course, are the people that bring you lots and lots of audio. Uh, door uh, related tutorials. Uh, you can view it via the web. Um, here we go. There's audio, visual graphics, Ableton Live, audio plugins, Cubase, GarageBand, a whole ton, hours and hours and hours of this stuff, and it goes as deep as you like on many different levels. So uh, well worth a check out. And if you are thinking about getting some YouTube tutorials, uh, please visit sonicstate.com forward slash mpv and you'll get an, a 20 percent download discount on anything that you download for them so uh, we want to thank them for giving us this access to get uh, passing on a discount to you that's 20 save 20 percent on mac pro video tutorials sonicstate.com forward slash mpv um, can i please please please
0: can you do me a favor it'd be i'd love this um can you play a link out so we can all hear it if it's like a youtube link
1: I think so. Yeah, if there's enough um, bandwidth, if
0: I just post the thing in the chat room. The, um, it's just just while we're talking about orchestral recording, We could just play that, I would be just just a few minutes, a few moments
1: of it rather. Let's see if I can just get that to be central. It may be a problem with the, just the bandwidth that we've got. So. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Wow.
2: is doing backflips in his grave. (laughs) We took that and we put that into Melodyne DNA. Yeah. And it made no difference whatsoever.
1: It sounded like they were having a really, (laughs) really nice time with that. I'd like to have been playing on that session. I wish we could do that sort of stuff. Uh, yes, that does sound a bit like the Portsmouth symphonia, similar sort of principle, which is uh, but Portsmouth Symphonia does it on purpose i 'm not sure that that was necessarily the same uh, principle behind that particular one, but thanks very much for that Gaz. and I suppose that is a good time to um, to perhaps say thank you very much to the um, to, to to our panelists and and all their contributions so we 'll say thank you very much to uh, we'll say dave Spears there we 'll let you go quick because I can see your sort of uh, you can't get comfortable. I, can, I know how you feel. Dave Spears, g4software.com, uh, struggling with a bad back, and uh, you're looking a little bit more distracted now that you've. That looked like it might have cheered you up. Thanks for joining us, though, Dave. Thank you. Very good fun. Yes. yes. And uh, while you're there, Gaz, uh, Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, thanks for joining us too. Thanks for sending us that. That was the Portsmouth Symphony, the Portsmouth Swedish Child Orchestra, sorry. Uh, thank you very much for that. It great. Have you recorded any sessions like that yourself?
0: Uh, no, but, I, well, I, I did, uh, this guy playing at a birthday party played, uh, he was like a really old man, and he was like the granddad of the guy whose birthday it was, he was kind of in mid-80s was, and uh, he learned to play um, uh, New York, New York, along with a backing track, um, and unfortunately I didn't record it, but it was the funniest thing I have ever heard, and everyone was far, the best thing about it was, everyone was far too polite in the audience to, um, you know to. to to do anything about it this old fellas playing this this saxophone thing but it was the most oh it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen i think
1: (laughs) (laughs) well thanks very much for sharing that gas and also we'll say thank you to pj tracy from PJTracySound.com, musician composer studio owner thank you very much pj for joining us this week
3: oh thank you it was a great amount of fun and i think whoever uh Whoever owns the rights to Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey should consider a redo. Yeah, redone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and they should—they uh, <laughs> know where to go. Oh, I'm going to
0: do that for
1: now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do a quick turn.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and also, thanks to Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm sorry we couldn't get your video working, but we'll work on it for another time. Thank you very much, Mark
4: oh well i'm feeling slightly guilty because i'm now wondering whether or not when we were testing your video at the beginning of the or just prior to the show that if i'm sitting there going oh no nick that's not quite working over here for me and i'm on a powerpoint g4 that maybe i'm was giving you. you a false um
1: false. Test. it's word? you not me
4: <laughs> yeah but anyway i've got other computers i'll I'm sure I we can was work somehow. Well, thank you. It is a great oh, camera. Use prep camera on a better computer. How about that?
1: That would be the answer. You never said goodbye to me, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, Nick. Rich, I'm sorry. Rich, anyway, Bye, I, I'll do it now. I'll do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that.
5: No, it's all right. I was rather enjoying it. So while you... you were and while you were signing off, I was kissing people goodbye and waving and stuff into the video. It was fun. <laughs>
1: And remember, folks, yeah. there's no show next week. Next week, we'll be running the interview that I sh- uh, uh, recorded with Matt Robertson, who is Bjork's musical director on the Biophilia tour, does lots of orchestration as well, works with David Arnold, works with uh, lots of different people, Marister Fries, uh very interesting fellow, in fact. Um, so once again, that was Sonic Talk number 230. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, again, no live show next week, uh, so we'll see you the week after. Um, that's a wrap. Thank you very much.